welcome to the Catholic Foodie Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host, the Catholic Foodie. So glad that you are with me today. We're going to talk about uh, some good things today. We're going to talk, we're going to have some interesting uh, news items to discuss, like uh, perhaps the husbands of Instagram. Have you heard of that? Have you heard of that? The husbands of Instagram. <laughs> you know, I have a. a, a a lot of photos over on Instagram, so I've got a big account, but this Husbands of Instagram kind of makes fun of all that, so we'll talk about that today on the show. Uh, we're going to talk also about uh, some interesting folks who are making uh, uh, communion bread or Eucharistic uh, hosts, right? The hosts. A lot of times you have nuns, uh, sisters who are even uh, cloistered nuns who are making those hosts that are used for mass. They're sold uh, to churches, you know, to Catholic churches all over the, the world. And and uh, but, but today we're going to talk about a group of people that you might not, you know, initially at least think would be making communion hosts and these people are prisoners. We'll, we'll talk about that too on the show today. Uh, I've got a recipe that I'm going to share with you. This is uh, coming from a friend of mine, Andrus Lagsden, who is with The Baking Steel. We're talking pizza dough. And uh, this is going to be a dough that takes not one, not two, but three and sometimes maybe even four days to make. I'm excited about this. For me, it's like a like an experiment, you know, I'm going to get in the kitchen and I'm going to get, going to experimentate <laughs> for about four, three or four days and uh, see what happens. I'm excited about that. Very excited about that. And uh, so I'm going to share that with you today. And also, you know, last week we talked about Nero Wolf. Wait, 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 let me, let me cue the music here. We talked about Nero Wolf. We talked about murder mysteries. We talked about cozy mysteries. We talked about Nero Wolf in particular about food and how much he likes good food. A brownstone on West 35th Street in Manhattan. Most people walk by without a second look. Timothy This is Nero Wolf's office. A man who thinks he's the world's greatest detective. Truth being, he is. Timothy Hutton is the actor there. And I find this just so intriguing. I love the Nero Wolf from the 2001-2002, I believe, is when these were produced. It's two seasons worth of shows. This is the first one. The Golden Spiders. This is the pilot episode. See, all kind of a, a, a period piece. Wolf is punctual, especially about meals. Breakfast at 8 in his room, lunch at 12.30, dinner at 6.30. He also weighs a seventh of a ton. <laughs> if you've never seen these, I don't know whether it's legal or not, but they are on YouTube. <laughs> and uh, just what a beautiful home that they are in and uh, to see this. And I wanted to play this in particular, this little opening segment, because it's all about, all about food. And so Archie Goodwin is going to be coming in to join Nero Wolf at the table, and Fritz is going to bring out the dinner for the evening. Evening. Good evening. I went to the bank this afternoon. 
Wow. Would you like to have the news? You're overdrawn. <laughs> but the bank is hopeful. I told them you have a ship coming in. That's not good news. But hey, dinner is coming, right? Smells great, Fritz. What is it? Starlings. Delivers this morning. Fresh. Nero Wolf is smelling. The sage. No, sir. What do you mean, no, sir? I thought that you might like advance with saffron and tarragon. Remove it. No, no, you don't understand. <laughs> yes, no. You did not consult me. To think that without warning, one of my favorite dishes has been radically altered is an unpleasant shock. It may possibly be edible, but I have no use to risk it. Just please dispose of it and bring me four coddled eggs and a piece of toast. Fritz! I'll take some. <laughs> this is the kind of back and forth you see between Nero Wolf, who is very headstrong, a genius, right? Solves crime after crime after crime. A genius, very well to do, apparently. And Archie Goodwin, who is so good natured and just loves to have fun and loves to really make Nero kind of stew a little bit in his uh, discontent. There's a glazer. Something. Wait, where'd you use that? That glaze is a secret, but anyway, I, I wanted to share this with you, thinking Red that would current. be uh, somewhat fun, right? Nero Wolf, and and this was all part kind of going back. I've I've still been thinking about that article I shared with you last week from GraceTable.com or dot org. I'm sorry, GraceTable.org. That all has to do with. Um, reading and how we like to uh, read about food or why we love to read about food. And what's interesting is to see how food plays an integral part in a lot of the books that we read and also the uh, the, the shows that we watch, the, the, the TV shows or movies that we watch. And, you know, Nero Wolf, the little clip I played, you may have liked it or may not have liked it. I don't know. I, I felt like I was living on the edge playing this here for you. It's, it is available on uh, uh, YouTube. I don't know what the copyright laws are that say I did not post it. Somebody else did. Uh, but it is there on YouTube. I have the DVD collection. I've got both seasons of this show very, very well put together. Thoroughly enjoy them, and and my kids, you know, we will sit around and rewatch these things time and again. I do the same thing with Agatha Christie, uh, with Miss Marple, and also Hercule Poirot. See, I told you I love murder mysteries, right? I love murder mysteries, <laughs> and this is good evidence uh, for that. Uh, but we do you, you whether it's uh, the 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 breakfast scene from The Hobbit, if you've read The Hobbit, and I know it was made into a movie, but before the movie, there were books, you know? And so you have that scene there of uh, Bilbo trying to serve all these dwarves that are showing up at his house, you know? These things are memorable. Why? It's because of the the role of food in our lives, right? The role, role of, of meals, of these shared meals, which is it's so funny, 
because I talk to people and everybody, it seems to resonate with them. They think back to when they were kids. They think back to growing up and how meals were so important. And you, you know, you said no to other activities because you had to be home for dinner, you know, and, and people ate together. And that's how it was. I know certainly it was, that's how it was with me growing up. We ate dinner together every, every day. And uh, weekends were special because my dad wasn't as busy, you know, he wasn't at work and, you know, he was home. And so we would barbecue and grill and do that kind of stuff uh, on the weekends. And then on Sundays, going to my grandparents' house, my grandmother, grandfather, typically my, my dad's parents uh, every Sunday. And then from time to time, we would have special gatherings with my mom's parents who lived a little bit further away. Now only, only about 45 minutes. Uh, but again, it was all the whole family getting together. And that was just a regular thing that we did all the time. And so it's not surprising to see that food plays a big deal in the books that we read, the stories that we tell, uh, the movies that we watch, and the TV shows that we watch. Just uh, to, to see it in something like this, Nero Wolf. What's so funny about that is that the man has such a big brain, right? He's a brainiac. He's so smart. He solves all these crimes, but he's got a terrible temper. He has, uh, which makes him really human. You know, makes him very human. The character, uh, he is kind of antisocial. <laughs> he doesn't like people a whole lot. Uh, he gets really short tempered with everybody, including Archie and including Fritz, his butler. And I guess I guess he's his butler. He's at the cook. He's kind of everything. Um, and it makes him very human. It reminds me, you know, we, we do the same thing with other murder solving people, right? Crime fighters and, and detectives. And you mean, think of Monk, right? Adrian Monk, who has uh, uh, CO, no, CDO, right? And a CDO, and then what they call it? Because it's got to be in alphabetical order, CDO, or is it OCD? Maybe that's it, OCD. Uh, it's kind of funny. He, he's not quite right. There's something wrong with him. And that makes him very human. Um, now, I don't know about Monk. Monk doesn't... Um, you know, you know, I wouldn't associate him with anything having to do with food other than the fact that, you know, it's probably really clean whenever it gets cooked at his house. <laughs> but I'm telling you, watching through these series, I can over the years, I have watched the series, this uh, Nero Wolf and time and again made a mental note like, oh, this particular episode this particular time in the show, like at the 30 minute mark or whatever, there's a quote that's food related, that would be really great on the show. I'd love to use this. And of course, you know, here we are um, all these years later, and I still haven't really put anything together. So I wanted to, to try to use something from the show. And at the very first pilot episode, uh, The Golden Spiders, you have that scene right there at the table where Nero Wolf is just not really very happy <laughs> with Fritz, uh, with his... Uh, culinary creativity there with his favorite dish. So uh, a very interesting uh, thing. And speaking of favorite dishes, you know, one of my favorite dishes is pizza. As a matter of fact, I think it is my absolute favorite dish, pizza. And so we're going to be talking about pizza today. Matter of fact, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about pizza and about making a dough that takes three to four days to make. You think you may not have time for that? Ah, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll figure that out. You're listening to The Catholic Foodie Show here on Breadbox Media. I'm Jeff Young, your host, and we'll be back in just a minute. 
Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show. I am Jeff Young, your host, the Catholic Foodie. So glad that you are with me today. We are talking uh, food, believe it or not, food and faith. That's what we do here on the Catholic Foodie Show. And right now, I want to talk pizza. Man, I'm getting hungry. I'm getting hungry. How about you? Maybe we can uh, make a pizza real quick. Well, maybe not real quick if you're going to use this 72-hour pizza dough recipe. (laughs) Talk about having a plan in advance, how to think things in advance and prepare. Uh, You know, I've talked pizza on the show before. I've talked pizza on the show many times. Matter of fact, I think I have played uh, an interview for you that I've I've done with Andrus. Goodness, it's it's been a while. It's been months. I know I haven't talked pizza in months, but uh, I love pizza. And it's been kind of like a lifelong uh, uh, love affair for me with with pizza. And I love, I mean, not just eating pizza out. I love that too. I've got my favorite places. I always love to try pizza in like little mom and pop places, family owned restaurants, restaurants where they actually do real cooking. You know, I like to try the pizzas wherever I go because I just love it. And I want to compare and I want to, you know, see how they, if they do something different and trying to learn different techniques and different uh, ideas, get different ideas from people who make pizza. Well, you know, I've been making it myself at home since I was about 11 or 12 years old. I, I just, I just love, I always love pizza and I started making it with like the box kits, you know, Chef Boyardee or the Appian Way. Appian Way was real popular way back when in the 70s, 80s. And uh, that, that thankfully, thankfully I moved beyond the boxed uh, uh, pizza kits pretty quickly into making my own dough and in making my own sauces. And, you know, it, and over the years, I've grappled with some of the, the hard issues with making pizza at home. One of the, the biggest is how do you make it without winding up with a soggy crust? You know, how do you make it at home? And there's a lot of reasons why that's a common complaint. Most ovens, home ovens only go up to 500 degrees. It just doesn't work for pizza. Pizza is something that you need to, you need a hot oven so that it cooks quickly because you don't want to dry the thing out, but you want to, you want to cook it quickly to where it's going to be crisp. The dough, at least the crust is going to be crisp on the outside and, and just soft on the inside without getting soggy. And it's just so hard to do in a home oven. And over the years, I came up with all kinds of little tricks to prevent my crust from getting soggy, even even par-baking or pre-baking my crusts. Not fully, but just a little bit before I would decorate it with the uh, the sauce and the toppings and the cheese and all that, and then putting it back in the oven to to finish baking completely. Uh, and that did that for a while. I did that for, for years. I tried to use that little trick to, uh, uh, to make a really good pizza from home, and it worked. It worked pretty well. And then a couple of years ago, uh, this guy contacted me out of the blue over at catholicfoodie.com and turns out his name is Andrus Lagsden and Andrus, uh, has started a new company had kind of developed a new product called a baking steel. It's not a baking stone. It's a baking steel and it's made out of a quarter inch thick piece of steel. It's very heavy. It's about 15 pounds or so, maybe more than that. I can't recall. Um, and basically steel conducts heat. So if you're using a steel, you heat that up in your oven for 45 minutes or so at 500 degrees, uh, then your oven's actually going to get hotter 
than it would otherwise. And you can wind up, you can actually cook a pizza in about six minutes instead of 36 minutes or 26 minutes. And it comes out like because of the heat and you're sticking it onto a piece of metal that is 500 plus degrees, you're going to get more oven spring, you know, like pop uh, from, you know, in your homemade pizzas than you would otherwise. And it's going to be, it's going to have that crispiness on the outside and that softness on the inside. So I I became a huge fan. He contacted me, asked me about, you know, he saw that I love making pizzas. I had a lot of recipes. He said, would you consider trying a baking steel and, and, and writing about it? I said, absolutely send one. So he sent me one. And since then, I, I mean, I have just fallen in love with this product, A and B, Andrus and I have become friends. So that's uh, uh, two wonderful things to come out of this. And so I now use the baking steel exclusively to make pizzas at home. Um, there's just nothing like it. And so what I'll do is I've got that heat, you know, it's preheated 45 minutes to an hour. It's preheated. So it's over 500 degrees. I've got that already hot in the oven. And what I'll do is I'll throw the pizza in or slide it in really off of the pizza peel. And I will then turn my oven from bake to broil and I'll hit it on both sides. Boom. It's getting cooked underneath from the baking steel. It's getting cooked on top from the coils in the oven. And, uh, you know, I'll have a pizza out and anywhere between four to six minutes. It just it depends. So I like to play with the height of the uh, grate. You know, where do I want the, you know, how high, how close do I want it to the, uh, uh, to the coils at, uh, on top, you know, the broiler. So uh, I play around with that from time to time, but it depends. It's four to six minutes for, for a pizza. And it, there's just nothing like it, folks. I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. The recipe that I have been using for the last, uh, I don't know, a couple of years comes from Jim Leahy. And it is called uh, a no-need dough. And that's because you just mix four ingredients together, water, salt, yeast, and flour. And you mix it together with your hands really well. And then you leave it on the counter, let it let it just slowly ferment for um, 12 to 18 hours. Anyway, uh, Andrus has a, a, a little video blog that he put up. And it's a, he's trying something different here. He's going for a 72 our pizza dough. I'm going to let this play right here so you can hear him do it. And I'm going to come back and make some comments because I am going to try this. Let's take a listen. Andrews here from the Baking Steel Test Kitchen. Today, we are making the 72-hour dough. Uh, Hands-on time, you're looking at maybe five minutes. We're going to let the time take us into the refrigerator for three or four days and we have our dough. So what I like to do is on... uh, Monday morning, I'll make my dough for Friday evening. So we need to prepare a little bit, but the dough is so simple to make. A few things you're gonna need. One, you're gonna need a scale, a digital scale, so we can measure our ingredients. Um, and then we need a couple of bowls, that's it. Simple, guys, this is um, taking off the Jim Leahy No Need. It's a spin off that. Um, we're gonna give it a little, a little kneading and a little bit more time. Uh, we have our bread flour here, a pre-measured 500 grams of bread flour. I basically dump it into the bowl, just like that. Um, next I have my yeast. We use one gram of yeast. We use 16 grams of salt. I'm gonna take these and dump them into my bowl. So I take my whisk, and literally just whisk this together. And next I've measured out um, one and a half cups of water. I'm gonna pour my water into the bowl just like that, 
Now I'm just gonna blend this stuff and mix this stuff together. Just like this. And once I get a little, a little whisk there, I'm gonna dump this onto my, uh, onto my table. And we're gonna give this a little bit of a knead. I'm gonna knead this by hand. All these ingredients are incorporated together. Just a little kneading, incorporating everything. And this also gets all the, the clumps out or the, any lumps that we might have in the dough. So I'll put this in my clean bowl here. I'll cover that with like maybe a little plastic wrap, if you will, and then um, let it sit at room temp. We'll come back tomorrow and we'll finish this up. All right, then it says 24 hours later. I look back, it's been, a, it's been a long night waiting for this dough. It's been, you know, 24 hours, they call this a bulk ferment. So I've let this sit um, out, and it's, it's about doubled in volume. Next, my next step is we're gonna take this out and we're gonna divide it up into equal portions, and we're gonna throw it into the refrigerator for another 48 hours. So you get your 48 and your 24, that's your 72 hour dough. You can see I'm gonna take my dough and just plop it out on the countertop. And I want to lightly flour my surface here, so always have some, always have some flour ready. Just lightly flour my dough. It's a little sticky, it's a very wet dough. <clears throat> I'm gonna literally portion off this equal, equally, so you can cut it in half, if you will. Then cut these in half again. That'll give me four pizza doughs. So I want to lightly flour these. And now I'm gonna, I'm gonna knead this up into a ball. I'm gonna kind of keep folding it into the center, if you will. Fold and keep your hands nice and floured. Maybe not dough balls. I'm careful not to not to stretch too much. I'm just folding. You want to keep this dough ball nice and smooth, if you will. I want to rip the strands and the glutens. So I'm folding into its into center, if you will. Folding into center. You can see I'm forming a ball. Next, I'll put this in my palm, and I'll literally just pinch this bottom closed. As you can see here, I'm gonna have a perfectly round little dough ball. Turned out, these are about 220 grams, each one of these. And I put these into these Ziploc containers, you can get them almost anywhere. A little bit of oil, stick it in, I cover it. I'm gonna throw this into the refrigerator, and I might even date these, because I make a lot of doughs, so I always wanna keep a fresh date on these. Um, and then I'll know, on Friday night, this dough's gonna be, you know, primed. Oh, I love it, love it. Absolutely love it. That's Andrus Lagsden uh, from the Baking Steel. You're going to find that over at bakingsteel.com. Of course, you know me. You know me. I'm going to put it into the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com, including, by the way, uh, the video. So if you want to see Andrus make this pizza dough, just go to catholicfoodie.com. Show notes for this show today, and uh, we'll have it We'll have it right there for you. Uh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. If you remember, I think it was uh, last week, it may have been the week before, we talked about uh, Alan Shia and his restaurant, his Israeli restaurant, Shia in New Orleans, and how he makes a um, his pita bread, his award-winning pita bread. And again, what, what does he do? He's got a rise time on this pita bread that's three to four days long. That's why I'm so excited about this. However, we do have to take a break. So we'll be back, though, in just a, just a minute. You're listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here on Breadbox Media. Don't go away. Be right back.
Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host, the Catholic Foodie. So glad that you are here today listening to the show. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You know, we talked uh, about pizza last segment. And again, I want to just recommend uh, bakingsteel.com, the great work that Andrus is doing over there. He's got a lot of active people, a lot of people who are very active, I should say, uh, on the Facebook page, on Twitter, all that, engaging with the baking steel, talking about their experiences, posting pictures of the pizzas that they make uh, and bake right on a baking steel. Uh, Really exciting stuff. I'm so excited to see the good things happening with them. Uh, Again, bakingsteel.com is where you can find more information about the baking steel. Uh, and you can find that video, too, over at catholicfoodie.com. You can see Andrus in action making a dough that takes 72 hours to make. Now, why would we want that? You know, why would we want that? And that's, I guess, part of the question. Uh, I mentioned before the break that Alan Shia, Chef Alan Shia, the the pita, the award-winning pita bread that he makes, it takes three to four days. He's got a slow rise uh, in the fr- refrigerated, slow rise for three to four days. Why? Well, you do two things happen when you have that slow fermentation, that long process. One is the gluten. It's the fact that the, the, stra- the strands, it strengthens the strands of the gluten. You can do, it becomes more pliable. You can do things with that dough that you wouldn't be able to do if it was a shorter rise time. But secondly is the flavor. The flavor of that dough will increase over time. And that's just something you can't get out of a dough if it's only risen for two hours. It's just not. You can taste the difference. It is just so good. Uh, So if you like good bread, if you really like good bread, this may be something to try. I certainly uh, do plan to do that. Matter of fact, in the coming, it's not this coming weekend, but I think the weekend after uh, my wife is going to be on retreat. And uh, so it's going to be me and the three big kids together all weekend. And I'm thinking I can see it. I can kind of foresee it now. It's like a vision. It's going to be a pizza making weekend. And we are going to make all different kinds of pizzas, and we're going to probably do it for two or three days in a row. And so I'll be making a lot of these doughs ahead of time. See, that's the thing. If I can plan ahead, if I know on the weekend that I want to make pizza, then I can go ahead and have this dough uh, made ahead of time. And, you know, all it is, I mean, the actual process of making it, of getting it ready, of mixing the ingredients, it takes a couple of minutes. That's it. Period. A couple of minutes. All you have to do is have a place where you can let it sit on the counter in a bowl covered, you know, for 24 hours. And then after that, you you spend another couple of minutes simply uh, dividing the dough into four balls, four pieces, equal pieces, shaping them into a ball and then putting each one into a round ish container, like a little cylinder, you know, and that's it. You stick them in the fridge and leave it. Forget about it. So it's not really a whole lot of work. We're saying three days, four days, but you're not working for three or four days. You're working for like 10 minutes and that's it. (laughs) So it's not that hard to do. You just got to be patient. You know, you got to be patient. You got to plan ahead and you got to be patient. Now, I have to tell you, I I have been listening to the Jennifer Fulweiler show lately. I I don't know if you uh, subscribe to Sirius XM. Uh, you can get it there. I know that they do uh, uh, publish or post certain e- 
episodes or, or maybe excerpts of episodes on iTunes. So you do get some, a taste of the show. You can get some of that uh, for free. Um, I don't have all the details on that. Uh, JenniferFullweiler.com is her website. You can get more info there. Um, but I, I do, I subscribe to Sirius. So I, I listen to the show and I, I admit a lot of times I don't listen um uh, Live, I, I listen to it um, archived because they'll they'll they archive the shows. For, I don't know for like four or five days. You know, a lot of the the radio shows, and same thing with Lino Ruli. When I listen to that show, it's typically not live. It's it's usually um, the archive. You know, and they'll keep the shows. You you've got them rotating out for about four or five days. And so I've been listening to uh, Jennifer Fullweiler, and and the other day, the other day she had a show uh, where she talked about the husbands of of Instagram. And I, when I first saw that title, you know, because you, when you go to click on it to listen to a show, it's an archive show. You can see the titles of the segments, you know, and one of them was called the the husbands of Instagram. And I'm thinking, oh, she must be talking about me. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm on Instagram, I'm a husband, I'm always posting pictures of food, first of all, and secondly, uh, of the baby, right, of, of little baby Zelly, Zelly Marie, and people love it, I, mean, I think it was a year ago, two years ago, I mean, it's a love-hate, I, I, this is what I'm going to talk about right now, because it's a love-hate, I have a love-hate relationship with social media. I mean, on the one hand, I think it's great because it really does bridge the gap for a lot of people. It helps us to stay in touch. At the same time, I think it's, it's you know, you got to keep feeding the monster, right? Feeding the beast. You got to keep, uh, we're too attached. We're too attached. It takes too much time. We give too much time to it. And of course, you look, you look around, it's like people are addicted to social media. So I don't know. I mean, it is, it is a love-hate thing. And I wanted to talk with you today about that. I mean, I, I think it was a, a year ago or so. Um, I can't remember now. It was the Busted Halo show. I think it was the Busted Halo show on Sirius XM. They, they did like this top 10, the top 10 Catholic Instagram accounts to follow or something like that. And I mean, it was like, you know, Pope Francis and uh, I don't know, some other people. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention to everybody, but my name was on that list. You know, the top 10. So I was like, wow, that's pretty cool, you know? And, and it is true. I mean, I have a lot of people who engage with me there. Um, they talk with me there, Com make comments, like the pictures of the, whether it's food or, or my family or whatever. And again, my whole approach to this is what? Same thing I said last week. We talked a little bit about this with blogging. You know, my whole approach is to try to inspire and encourage people to, you know, families to get into the kitchen and cook and to get around the table and to eat together. That's really the whole point is to grow in faith together around the table of the Eucharist and around the family dinner table. That's what the Catholic foodie is all about. And the food is important because the food does bring us, it brings people together, first of all. But secondly, there's something genuinely human, God-given, about enjoying really good food. And maybe you could say it's a foretaste of heaven. I don't know. But that's what it's all about. So anyway, Jennifer Fullweiler went on talking about this husbands of Instagram. Had nothing to do with me. <laughs> had nothing to do with the Catholic food. He had nothing to do with uh, me taking, you know, posting pictures of baby Zelly and everybody going, ooh, ah, she's so pretty. You know, nothing like that. It was kind of a, about this, I think it's a spoof. I don't even know. I think it's a spoof. But here, I'm going to let this play. This is a little clip, about two minutes, um, of 
well, it's called the husband's of Instagram. And maybe I should set this up a little bit that the quote that given in the notes is behind every cute girl on Instagram is a guy like me and a brick wall. <laughs> I guess this really is a uh, spoof on, you know, people, everybody on social media and they're using Instagram as an example. It's like their lives are perfect, right? I can tell you my life is far from perfect. My family is far from perfect. My kids are far from perfect. My wife is far. Well, she's pretty close to being perfect. Yeah, but I'm far from being perfect. (laughs) And hence, because I'm far from it, then, you know, our marriage is far from perfect, right? But on Instagram, everybody looks perfect. So this is what this is about. Let's take a listen. I'm going to come back. I've got a few thoughts to share with you. My name is Jeff and... I'm an Instagram husband. Behind every cute girl on Instagram is a guy like me and a brick wall. <laughs> My name's Trey. I'm an Instagram husband. I've had to delete all of the apps off my phone just to make more room for more photos. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nate, and I'm an Instagram husband. <laughs> and he's got a twitch in his eye. <laughs> I love my life so much. <laughs> he obviously does in pictures is to make her look good. I want you to just take a picture like like higher. No higher. 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 Babe, higher. I'm basically a human selfie stick. No. <laughs> Last year for Christmas, I actually got her a selfie stick. And then she got mad at me because she thought I was just trying to get out of taking photos. Of course, I'm trying to get out of taking a photo. (laughs) What are you doing in here? Taking a picture of all your stuff? Yeah, this is a good moment. (laughs) I support that. Wait, just a second. I should probably comment on this. It helps me out if I'm the first one to comment. Become a pretty big problem. Um, we take so long to get anywhere because we're taking pictures of our feet. Oh, shoe pick, shoe pick. No, this one's better. No, no, stop, stop. Move your foot. Okay, can we hold hands? One more, one more. I like this leaf right here. Yeah, we used to eat our food. Now we just take pictures of it. No, you can't do that. I haven't taken a shot of that yet. We have to show everybody how much we enjoy our lives together. Yeah, that's really enjoyable. If you or someone you know is an Instagram husband, help is out there. Go to InstagramHusband.com and see how millions of men just like you have found hope. I'm an Instagram husband. I'm an Instagram husband. I'm an Instagram husband. I'm an Instagram husband. Babe. <laughs> Find help today at InstagramHusband.com. All right. Now, <laughs> again, I certainly will post. This is a video. I will post it over at CatholicFoodie.com for the show notes. This show, you will be able to watch it there, but I think you get the gist of it. And I 
I definitely want to make a few uh, comments about this and ask you some questions, too. But of course, of course, we have to take a break. You're listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here on Breadbox Media. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to the Catholic Foodies Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host, the Catholic Foodies. So glad that you are here today. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We were talking, or we were talking before the break about this Instagram husband thing, right? I'm an Instagram husband, and it's obviously it's kind of like set up as a, a self help group. You know, peep, these these guys are coming together. If you watch it, you can see. You may, you know, when you hear it, you probably hear it in their voices too. But you really see it, like that one guy, Nate. You know, he says he's an Instagram husband and he's so happy, and his life is so happy. He's like cute. You know, he had a twitch in his eye because <laughs> he obviously ain't that happy, right? It's not that happy. Um, and so it, it's kind of it's a spoof. But you think about how real it is. You know, you look online, you look at people's pictures on Instagram or, or Twitter or Facebook or whatever. And obviously we tend to put or to post there to make public there the best that we've got, right? We're always putting our best foot forward, our best face on, uh, but it, it may not be reality. It may not be reality. Uh, perhaps someone's going through a really hard time. You know, they're not going to put all those things up. You know, and so the the downside is we tend to believe, we tend to believe that everybody's life is perfect, that everybody's house is perfect, that everybody's, uh, they, they can do these crafting things that are just like so perfect. And, and, and boy, there's something wrong with me because I just can't do that stuff. Right. I mean, here I am, I post pictures of food. I post things that, you know, uh, I, I shot all the photos for the cookbook that came out. Uh, at the end of last year, um, which is a big deal. I shot the whole thing with my iPhone. And so a lot of these pictures I took, I took thousands of photos. Now I have been taking thousands of photos for years, but I, I have a food blog. You know, I write about food and faith. And so I take those pictures to post online. Usually, I mean, it, it's a running joke at our house, you know, that I have to take, you can't eat, you can't eat until I've done, I'm done taking my pictures. You know, it's a, it's a running joke. Now I try to keep that within pers- in perspective. You know, if we're going out to eat, there are times that I don't take pictures at all. There are times that uh, I do, cause I think that I might be able to use a shot of something or uh, at some point in time, or I may have some content that I'm working on that it specifically has to do with this. And so I want to make sure I get a good picture. Then there are times I'm at home. Most of the time when we're at home and I'm not writing a cookbook, (laughs) I'm not taking pictures of the food, you know? So, but it's, it's an ongoing joke that we have in the house. It is pretty funny for us, uh, but sometimes it can be pretty frustrating too. And the problem is, is that sometimes I'm worried that you or other listeners may get the idea that all I do is cook gourmet food all day long. You know, and that, that every meal that I cook is wonderful. Believe me, that is not the case. Not at all. Uh, there are many times that man, I'm not going to take a picture of, you know, the meal I had last night was like maybe yogurt. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, there are nights like that. There are days like that or scrambled eggs. Uh, last night we actually, we, we had chicken, uh, 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 saute, pan saute, chicken thighs, which were delicious. My wife made that and, 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 a a lentil soup, you know, very simple and a small salad, very simple. Um, but there are days when we, we're looking at each other, like, what are we going to eat? Cause we didn't prepare. We, we're just too busy. And, and we get there and we're like, okay, I guess it's scrambled eggs, you know, cause that's what we have, you know, or you can have them over easy if you like. So I want to, I want to know what you think. What do you think about this? The Instagram husband is a spoof of course, but what do you think about the whole deal? The whole thing, the whole phenomenon of us putting pictures up all the time of everything, of life. Matter of fact, and I wonder if I can Google this uh, quickly. I don't know if I can. Let me see if I could do that and talk at the same time. It's kind of like chewing gum and walking at the same time. I have a hard time uh, doing that. But Elizabeth Scalia uh, posted something on Facebook yesterday, I believe, or it may have been a couple of days ago about this, uh, like the, the, um, the, the photos, you know, the, the, the taking so many different, um, pictures of, of our lives. And so we, we end up missing things and I know it was on Alatea and it was on Alatea. So maybe I could find it there. Uh, but, but this may be really good. And it talks about how essentially moms and dads, right? Moms and dads totally missing the boat because we're taking pictures of everything. And, and it's frustrating. And I feel like it's frustrating. There are times when I, there's been times when I was supposed to be taking pictures like at, at a, at a religious function or something. And I've just said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I mean, I needed the pictures, but I'm not going to do it because it just felt out of place, you know? And I think sometimes we're just really, I don't know, too wrapped up in the wrong things. I guess that could be the the bottom line, too wrapped up in the wrong things. I'd love to hear what you think about this. What do you think about uh, the problem, I guess, of, you know, we, we post the perfect pictures online, but then we, you know, I realize aren't, aren't like that. What, what do you think about it? 985 985-635-4974, 985-635-4974. Uh, 985-635-4974. That is the voice feedback line. You can always give me a call there day or night, anytime of the day or night, because I'm not going to answer it. Uh, it doesn't ring at my house. Uh, it's a, a, a service that I have where you can call, leave a message and it, it's recorded in a digital format that I could use and play right here on the show. Uh, I'd love to hear what you have to say. 985-635-4974. I am trying to find this, uh, this article here that Elizabeth Scalia had, had mentioned, I don't believe that she's the one who um, posted it. I mean, I don't think she's the one that wrote it. I think she just shared it and I can't, I can't find it, but it's uh, something about how we're, we're missing out. We're missing out. We're, we're, yeah, you have this beautiful sunset and instead of really just soaking it in, in the moment and allowing God to touch you in the moment, because that's where God is. God is not in the future. God is not in our past. God is right here. This is where we encounter God is right here, right now. And if we're so busy with the phones, you know, iPhones or other kind of phones and you're taking pictures and I'm taking pictures of the sunset or whatever, then I'm, I'm experiencing life in a, in a mediated way, in a way that is mediated through technology or through something else. And I'm not really experiencing it 
full force right on immediately, right? Without mediation. Uh, instead, um, uh, it's being filtered for me. And in, and in that moment, I may very well be missing the voice of God. I may very well be missing the presence of God. Why? Because I'm more concerned with, did I crop it right? Is it all in there? Do I have it? Is it, is it framed correctly? Am I getting it? Is it a good shot? You know, I'm worried about all that stuff instead of worrying about just being there. And I'm not saying that we should do away with all the photos and do away with the smartphones and, and all of that. Although everybody may calm down and be more at peace if that happened, but I'm not saying that, but we need to kind of keep it in perspective and keep it in balance and kind of keep it in check is, is, uh, is my thought. So I'd love to hear from you again, 985-635-4974. And if you haven't heard that, uh, show, uh, Jennifer Fulweiler talking about the husbands of Instagram, I'd recommend it. You can go check it out. Uh, you could check out, uh, her website at jenniferfulweiler.com and, uh, you probably get directed from there to where you could hear it. All right. I have another, uh, I have another, uh, news piece here. I want to share with you. This is something that really caught my eye because, Normally, I'm used to, I've even, I work for the church, you know, I've been in the seminary twice. I'm uh, kind of used to seeing things behind the scenes. And normally, when we have to order, uh, the church has to order communion wafers or something. Typically, it's a religious order, a religious community that, uh, that provides those hosts, the hosts, the communion hosts. Uh, but there's an article that I came across on the Catholic News Agency that says, um, these three Catholic inmates in Milan, in Italy, are making Eucharistic hosts. This was posted just uh, yesterday. No, I'm sorry. It was on the 15th of January. It says the penitential path for three convicted murderers in Italy, convicted murderers in Italy includes a unique role at mass. They make the Eucharistic hosts to be consecrated by prison chaplains, a cardinal, and perhaps one day the pope. Cristiano Valanzano, Giuseppe Ferlito, and Ciro D'Amora, I hope I'm pronouncing those correctly, are among 1,300 inmates in, at the Opera Maximum Security Prison in Milan. They're taking part in the Meaning of Bread program, which aims to create a process of reconciliation for the prisoners, the Italian television station TG2000 reports. Valenzano, the youngest of the three, is serving a 23-year sentence. Above everything else, he says, I hope to be forgiven by God for what I've done. He recounted the process of making the host. You know, in the morning, we say a short prayer, a Hail Mary, and an Our Father. We make the dough, have some coffee, smoke a cigarette, and then begin. Valenzano hopes to uh, leave prison while he is still young, saying, When I get out of prison, I hope to get married, have children, a family. Demora says uh, that it's very touching. It was a very touching start to their work with a prayer. We think about the people who are suffering, those we've made suffer, and we pray. With this work, he said, we're sending a message to young people not to do what we ourselves have done. Fernito said that it is a really beautiful thing to make with his own hands the hosts that he and others receive in Holy Communion. When I'm working on making the host, I always ask Jesus, God, for forgiveness for what I've done, he said. He hopes that this work will give me the, give, will quote, give me the possibility to one day personally ask forgiveness 
of the relatives of the victims, end quote. Really a powerful, powerful story. I'm going to put a link in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com. Three Catholic inmates in Milan making Eucharistic hosts. Pretty powerful, pretty powerful, and very real when it comes to understanding mercy and also the power of of forgiveness. I'd love to hear your thoughts again. 985-635-4974. Give me a call. Leave me a message. And thank you. Thank you so much for listening to The Catholic Foodie Show. I'm Jeff Young, your host, The Catholic Foodie. And until next time, bon appetit.